The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Friends in Recovery Podcast, the podcast that is here to help you, a loved one, or a friend get started down the road to recovery. This is the Friends in Recovery Podcast, brought to you by the Genesis House. Genesis House, providing a safe, nurturing environment to heal from addiction since 1992. Please be a friend and share our message with a friend on Podbean, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or YouTube. And now, here are your friends in recovery. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another show of Friends in Recovery. Uh, my name is Ed Chancho, and uh, I have Jeff Zazel with us today. Good morning, and, Ed. Uh, hey, Jeff, how you doing? Um, we have a uh, special guest with us. Um, that we asked to come on, um, Dr. Jeff Brandler out of Mountain Lakes, New J- Mountain Lake, New Jersey. Um, there is a Mountain Lakes, I believe, too, but Jeff is out of Mountain Lake, New Jersey. And I've known Jeff for, God, 20 years now. Um, and uh, we did some work together on and off. And uh, I want to introduce, introduce Jeff. Thanks for having me on the show. Ed, it's actually Mountain Lakes. Oh, it is Lakes. Okay. All right. It is Lakes. So, okay. you know. You know, because there are so many lakes and mountain lakes, they couldn't just have a mountain lake. Mountain I know. <laughs> That'd be too easy. <laughs> um, Jeff, you want to tell us a little bit about what you do up there in Mountain Lakes, New Jersey, and, uh, and uh, you know, just give us a little overview of everything before sure. we get started. I work with individuals. I work with couples. I've worked, this is going on 34 years for me, which just seems like way too long, but it just is. <laughs> so in, in my practice, I work with individuals and couples. I've worked a lot with anxiety and depression, of course, addiction, different types of addiction. And one of the things that I've seen is that, you know, in this day and age, you know, back in the day, we called it MICA, we called it dual diagnosis, you know, now we have the buzzword of Mm co-occurring. So we have these people that have addiction, and all of a sudden, they have these other issues that just seem to pop up, or they have these other other issues. And by the way, they also have addiction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it becomes rather challenging. Yeah, in this day, to work with lots of different folks. It does. It does. And um, if you don't mind, Jeff, I, I, I had some personal experience with you on top of all that. I, I went to see Jeff for a little bit and um, he's a wonderful, wonderful therapist. Um, he helped me through some um, some of my fears and anxiety um, that I was uh, um, kind of going through at the beginning of my uh, my recovery. And uh, I hope you don't mind if I share that or not. But um, well, you already did. So it's a little <laughs> late, right? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> It's actually up to Ed to share it yeah, because so, of HIPAA guidelines. Yes, I can't, but you can. I'm That's breaking right. Jeff's anonymity <laughs> or HIPAA. Um, by the way, you still owe him 20 bucks for the last Yeah, I copay. probably do. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that off there. <laughs> um, but um, so, and, and Jeff, you also do a blog. You kind of do what we do, right? A little po- a podcast too, right? Yes, I do. I do both blogs and podcasts, and, and currently I'm doing podcasts because I decided that it's a it's a different mechanism in a different form, and in the world we live in today, everybody's listening to podcasts because they can take it with them everywhere. And yeah. when I do various topics, so I've done grief, I've done sexual addiction, I'm working on one on do you have an alcohol problem, and people can take that with them and they can share it just like you guys. Mm-hmm. They can share it with lots of people, and, they, and it's a better way to get the, the message out to more people. Yeah, this this has been in, and Jeff agree if you agree with me or not, but this has been an incredible um, uh, kind of source for people to, to uh, 
understand things and get things out there. And Jeff, I listened to Jeff Brandler. I listened to a few of your podcasts, and and they were excellent. They were they were they were really good. Um, and how how can we get a hold of you um, as far as the, the podcasts and all that? Probably the easiest way is go to my website, which is www.changeispossible.org. Okay. And you can click on the podcast link. You can look at the right side, and that's where the latest ones are. And ultimately, if you want to join the podcast list, I send out emails when they're up, so you can do that as well. Great, great. You know, it's interesting because the title of your blog, you know, your, your URL, that says it all. You know, that change is really possible, and that's sort of, as Ed, you were alluding you know, we do this podcast, has multiple goals. One goal, of course, is to just educate people and get them understanding about, you know, destigmatizing the illness of addiction and anxiety and so on, and educating the listening audience and, you know, getting the word out. And, and you know, friends in recovery, people share their story, and we mm -hmm. realize that, you know, there's a lot of human interaction and interconnection. We all have, you know, every, every person, every family has something. You yeah. know, there's no perfect family there's no one who's immune from a problem in fact there was a study done you may find this interesting jeff although i'm sure you're well aware of it there was a study done in massachusetts blue cross blue shield recently and they asked their subscribers does anyone know a person who's died of an opioid overdose three out of five subscribers of blue cross blue shield identified knowing a person who died wow so that's remarkably wow. high yeah. so what you're doing and what we do here is, you know, has a lot of meaning to people because they can learn and understand like, hey, it's treatable, we're not trapped, we can do things, we can at least try. There's no guarantee about mm -hmm. successful recovery, yeah. but there's certainly a high likelihood if you do what's required and necessary and so on. Yeah. Um, and, you, and, know, you know, the title, of, the title of my website, you know, Change is Possible, and my joke is it's not just a good marketing strategy, but it's true. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because because once you tell people that they can make change and you can open that up and show them that that it's possible, and like you said, Jeff, it's a little bit. Yeah. You yeah. Know, just take one small step, and all of a sudden you've created a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and then you got something going on. Exactly. I, I always I always kind of put it together like when you buy a new house. Um, you know, you want the house to be perfect when you move in, but those boxes get unpacked every couple days. The furniture starts coming in. You know, you, you don't move into a, uh, you know, a house perfect. You know That's what right. I mean? So that little bit of change, you know, as, as days and weeks go on, um, you know, you, you got your house fulfilled. And, and what you view as <clears throat> meeting a particular need at one point in your life no longer meets that need. So yep. like a house, for example, you know, you had shared carpeting, Ed. You still think that's in style. <laughs> oh, it's not. And it, no, it's not in style anymore. And uh, so sometimes we have to update and we have to yes. evolve and we yeah. have to meet the time. So we used to think, you know, years ago when uh, in the 80s when there was a cocaine epidemic, people used to say, oh, cocaine isn't dangerous. It's not addictive. It's okay. And, and in fact, they were completely wrong. Mm -hmm. It's highly addictive. Yeah, it is. And, you know, so, you know, we learn over time and, you know, and things evolve and what we think is healthy now you know, we understand we may have to sort of readapt and, and sort of, uh, you know, acquiesce to other things to make it healthier. So, absolutely, uh, so. absolutely. And, and Jeff, and, that, and that's where, you, you know, both Jeffs here, um, that's where when you're in recovery, it's always good to see a therapist. Um, you know, I'm always kind of trying to 
get, get to see a therapist. And I always recommend people, even though you're 24, 23, 10 years, five years, a year, it's always good to go, go see a therapist such as both of the Jeffs that we have here because it gets you to the next level. Life is always changing. There's always going to be fears and anxieties in life. And, and uh, you know, we need to overcome them. And especially us, uh, us who are in recovery, um, you know, we have to keep that going because we can get stuck into that rut and say, I don't like change, you know, change is not good for me, you know, and it, it's people like, you know, Jeff and, and Dr. Jeff um, that, that, um, that, that kind of make us understand that. So um, is part of the importance of, uh, of seeking professional help that the AA programs, Al-Anon, these are programs that are run by the people who are addicts themselves and they just are, are further along in their recovery process. So is it important to get outside help because everything is being viewed through an addict's eyes when you're in that type of program? Well, well, I would say that, you know, just getting more support is always beneficial. So, uh, you know, when I see patients who have addictive disorders, and, and I would imagine Jeff would concur that, you know, we use what I like to refer to as the shotgun approach. We do everything that's possible to help them. So it's going to 12-step meetings. It's going to the gym and exercising. It's doing things like mindfulness you know, eating properly, healthy sleep, and getting, you know, in touch with a therapist, that allows you to be accountable. Because in, in a 12-step meeting, you don't always get called out or have personal responsibility to another person, unless, of course, your sponsor is sort of keeping your feet to the fire. But mm -hmm. a professional clinician is also trained to see other things that people don't always see mm -hmm. in recovery because they just don't have the training. So, Jeff, you know, I'm interested because I know Ed and I were chatting how you know, you, you treat a lot of folks with anxiety disorder and addictive disorders. And do you find that when you have someone who's like that, do you treat the disorders differently? You know, do you treat one first? Do you do it in a co-occurring fashion? You know, what's your sense about that? You know, it's interesting. Obviously, if the person is sober, you know, you have a fighting chance. So the person's using, well, I mean, that makes it pretty easy what we're doing first. This mm -hmm. person has to be sober. Let's just treat the addiction. Mm -hmm. But once the person is sober, you know, you, I always use the program, 12 Steps, to say, okay, here's, you got a whole bunch of tools here you can use. If you have anxiety, let's, you know, let's use Step 2 and Step 3. Let's turn fear into faith and do that. Mm -hmm. And over time, you know, the people who can do that, their anxiety goes down. The people who struggle with that, okay, their anxiety is going to go up or it's going to stay the same. So then, as you said, Jeff, you know, it's like, okay, let's just, let's just use the shotgun. Let's use everything. And let's see what kind of, what kind of strategies we have that we can give people to be able to to get better. Yeah. One of the things that I've done recently is I've, as I studied hypnosis and I got certified in, in hypnosis. And for people who are in early recovery, one of the amazing things that I've seen is their ability, because you know sleeping is a major issue mm -hmm. and anxiety is a major issue. Mm -hmm. And hypnosis is the best thing for both of those because, you're, because it takes your brain out of the game mm. and now you're focusing on relaxing and thinking about something else and good positive messages, et cetera, et cetera. So that's been just such a, an amazing addition to my, to my, to my you know, protocol of treatment. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. So w would you say it's not true that when Ed left your sessions, he walked like a chicken? <laughs> he may have walked like a chicken before he came in. I, I th actually, I've seen him walk. I think you're correct. I was his test subject. <laughs> um, you know, um, Jeff, we, we, we discussed a couple of things um, previously, and um, – you, you said about um, how addiction has fear elements running through it. Uh, a couple of questions. 
why is that number one? Um, why I, I notice a lot of addicts, and we had a, we were we did a show yesterday talking about some some um, anxiety, and, and it was another alcoholic. Um, and I notice most addicts do have this anxiety and fear. Is it because what's your take on it? Um, you know. Well, here's the thing, right? I mean. The two most dangerous words in the English language for people with anxiety is what if. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, what if this and what if that and what if the other thing. Here comes the projection. I don't know yeah. what, what, you know, here, here it goes. And so addiction is great for numbing and escaping from what if. Mm -hmm. If I drink, if I drug, I don't have that. I just have numb. That's so true. So then the person gets sober and they have no clue how to deal with what if. Mm -hmm. They have no clue how to deal with you know, the things that are out of their control. And so, so their old behavior, okay, I can't drink and drug anymore. So now I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Mm -hmm. And so when, they, when people get sober, they go to, you know, they go to 12 steps, they go to treatment, they go to your place, that, you know, inpatient, they learn the strategies and the tools. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side, they have to have a, they have to have a whole bunch, they have to have the, you know, the support, the therapy, the everything, because otherwise they're going to relapse over their anxiety mm -hmm. because they're going to, it's going to be a mismatch. Or they're gonna live. They're gonna live in a little box for the rest of their lives, and, and that, yes. that's not being sober. Sober's sober's getting out there, living and enjoying right. life. You know, yep. that's right. And and we know with anxiety disorders, there's several types. You know, there's acute anxiety, there's generalized anxieties, there are people that have panic attacks, there's people with obsessive compulsive disorders, people with post traumatic stress disorders. There's non specified anxiety. So there's a whole bunch of them, and it is interesting that if we look at the data. About 40 million Americans, give or take, have an anxiety disorder. Personally, I think that's higher mm -hmm. because if there's about 350 million Americans, that's more than 10%, and I think it actually is higher than yeah. 10%. And we know that those individuals with, with anxiety disorder, many self-medicate. So we can say pretty safely 20 to 25% of people who have anxiety disorders will self-medicate with addiction. Mm -hmm. And the remaining, you know, 80, 75, 80% don't always, you know, go towards addiction, but they don't necessarily get treatment. Mm -hmm. Conversely, there are people who have addictive disorders, and as a result of their, their addiction, develop an anxiety disorder. Oh, my God, I can't pay the bills. I'm going to get fired. The police are coming to my house. And so then they end up in the same place. And, you know, I think we know that, you know, Medically, a lot of the doctors, would, you know, psychiatrists would just treat someone with an anxiety disorder with a benzo, and then they create an addictive disorder yeah. now. So, yeah. you know, it's the dog chasing its own tail. That's where treatment comes in, where we can separate those things. And, mm -hmm. you know, as you pointed out, someone with a disorder, anxiety disorder, addiction disorder, first we've got to get them sober, yeah. but we can actually treat them, you know, co-occurring sort of fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you've you got to treat both. You just, you just can't treat one. Yeah. So now, now Jeff, questions for both Jeffs. Now, person's in recovery, um, comes into your offices and says, um, how do I manage it? How do I, how do I get through this? How do I handle the fear and anxiety? What's some of your strategies maybe for the folks out there that obviously therapy is always good, but what's some of the other um, um, outlets that, that might be able, that you guys might be able to give us, our viewers, some uh, some thoughts about you know, ex exercise meditation yoga i'm a big yoga fan for, for anxiety because it works really well because it gives you it gives you the exercise it gives you the meditation and it gives you the calm mm -hmm. and so and, and you know and 
So those things are really key. And, and if people get into religion and spirituality, another big plus. So it's an entire package of things that, that people can have. Plus, you know, plus the therapy, because in therapy, you know, because I use a cognitive behavioral approach, you know, when you start helping people to examine their thinking. So, you know, you have the what if and you start to say, what's so what's the absolute worst thing that's going to happen? Mm hmm. And then you work them down that path. Okay, so so what's what's the absolute worst thing? I'm not going to be able to pay the bill. Then what's going to happen? Well, then I'm going to foreclose. Then what's going to happen? Then I'm going to be homeless. Well, then what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay, so, and then you ask, okay, zero to 100, what's the likelihood that that's going to happen? And most of them say, zero. <laughs> right. So, so they, they get stuck in their own head. And I do the same thing, Jeff, where... You know, we use a little cognitive behavioral reframe where we get them thinking, oh, what's the likelihood of this? You know, it's okay to have the thought. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. So you could have the thought that you are, you know, Napoleon. It doesn't make it so. Mm -hmm. And, you know, which is probably a different problem if you think you're Napoleon. <laughs> the, uh, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, we can utilize skills. As, as, you know, the cognitive behavioral model is a very effective model. So I often, you know, give little sort of buzzwords to people. So I, I'll tell my patients... Remember, AAA, action alleviates anxiety. So if you're feeling anxious, don't just sit there with the anxiety. Go do something. Go make yourself a cup of coffee. Get in the car. Go for a ride. Put gas in your, you know, your car. Go throw some laundry on. Go for a walk. And we also know, as you point out, you know, things like exercise and yoga and meditation you know, has a very calming technique, and it also changes the brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. So we can produce these natural chemicals yeah. like, you know, increase dopamine and the serotonin level goes up. So people start feeling much better. Absolutely. I also, as you mentioned spirituality, I, I tell people, remember the four Fs. In life, when you're struggling, rely upon your friends, your family, fitness, and faith. And faith is not necessarily religion. It can be, but it's also often spirituality yeah absolutely now again a, a question oh, i think we're gonna yeah we're gonna we're up against a uh, a break here guys so we're gonna take a uh, a 60 second uh commercial break and we'll be right back with friends in recovery Genesis House is a premier substance abuse and rehabilitation facility located in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. We have been providing the highest quality of addiction treatment since 1992 and are accredited by the Joint Commission. We offer a range of programs that include detox, residential treatment, dual diagnosis, a Christian track for people who want to incorporate their faith into treatment, a uniform services track, and we work with most major insurance carriers. Genesis House is led by a dedicated team of administrative and clinical professionals, and we stand on our commitment to excellence in recovery services. Contact us today to find out more about our program. Take the first step and call Genesis House at 800-737-0933 or visit us on the web at www.genesishouse.net. That's 800-737-0933 or www.genesishouse.net. Begin your journey to a long and successful recovery with Genesis House. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to uh, Friends in Recovery with our special guest, uh, Dr. Jeff Brandler out of Mountain Lakes, New Jersey. <laughs> Don't forget um, the S. <laughs> that's right. I just want to give it a quick number real, uh, real fast so you can get a hold of us. 
on the panel here. Um, if you have questions for Jeff, um, Dr. Jeff Brandler, um, you know, you can get a hold of us and we can get you in touch with him. Our um, direct number is 800-989-6504. That's 800-989-6504. We do have a um, Friends in Recovery um, website. That's friendsinrecoverypodcast.com. And uh, if you want to email us, if you're more of an email person, it's help at friendsinrecoverypodcast.com. So it's a few different ways that you can get in touch with us. Um, Jeff, welcome back. And it's great to have you, um, you know, uh, as far as uh, this topic, anxiety and fear. I personally, um, I still go through it 23 years later, and I might be making an appointment with you again soon. So <laughs> can we talk about that on there? I don't know. That <laughs> Jeff, he has lousy insurance. I'd be yeah. careful. <laughs> I think Jeff had a question. Yes, I did. So, you know, it's very helpful to hear your perspective, Jeff, which, you know, I share with you. The, uh, so if you have a patient who has, you know, really significant anxiety and the CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy model is not working, what's your view on medication and what would you recommend that people do? Medication, you know, I've seen lots of people who have done all the tools, all the techniques, you know, done probably everything that I've asked them to do. And they get a little bit better, but they can't keep it. They're, they're the medication people. And if they get in the hands of a skilled psychiatrist who understands addiction, who understands recovery, he or she is not going to give them pills that are going to get them in the wrong direction. They're going to work with them on the SSRI medication or beta blockers or things of that nature and just going to do exactly what you want it to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then the alternative to that, you know, so the medication is A, and then there's the whole alternative about using acupuncture and things of that nature, which also works. Mm -hmm. And so because some people are like, I'm not going to take medication. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Okay. And then, okay, so what are you going to do? Okay. What, what, would you do that? Yes, I'll do that. Okay. Do that. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's, it's using all the things in the box to get people better. But medication, you know, within the hands of the right person is such a great tool. I've seen so many people benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm medicate. not, I'm, I'm not opposed to medication. I don't take it. Um, you were saying, um, you know, other like, um, natural stuff. I take Sammy. Um, and that seems to help. Um, it, it doesn't curb the anxiety, but it's some of the depression and all that. It definitely curbs. But um, but medication is good. If, if, if you go to a therapist such as both the Jeffs here and, and it's not working, why not? Why not try it? Yeah, absolutely. You know? I, I, I totally agree with you, Jeff. And what I always say to people, you don't get more bonus points in life for being miserable. Yeah. You know, life's a journey and yeah. it's finite and we all have an expiration date. So every day that you live your life and you're unhappy and anxious and depressed, that's an unfortunate waste of a day. Mm -hmm. And we don't know when our time is up. You know, it's, uh, hopefully it's, we have many, many years ahead, but there's no point in suffering. And it is interesting because, you know, as medical providers have gotten more astute with treating addiction, they realize that you can't prescribe medications that are habit-forming, like, you know, the benzos, all, all the, that classification of drugs, but the SSRIs, which will allow the brain to elevate the serotonin, you know, increase it, people do much better. It's not just for depression. It's also for anxiety. And we also know that diet can be very helpful. So there's some studies that recently came out that says those people who eat kiwis, there's a sort of chemical compound in kiwis that acts as a natural antidepressant. So people, you know, can improve. And we know that people with severe and profound anxiety and depression, 80% of those get better, those folks get better with, the, with talking therapy and medication. 
you know, some people say, I just want to take the pill and not do the work. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. They have to do both. There's also some, you know, alternative things like severe cases. You know, historically, they've used electroconvulsive shock therapy, which, you know, had a lot of bad connotations. But over the years, it's actually improved. And I have a patient of mine who gets TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, which has been very effective. She's a recovering alcoholic with a depressive disorder. And that treatment has allowed her to not be depressed and, and maintain her ongoing sobriety. What do you, what do you think about that, it's, Jeff? It's the key of being willing to do anything and everything to get better. Mm -hmm. be because, again, it's, this, it's a small thing. You know, what, what, what can we do to make it, you know, this much better? You know, if it's going to a meeting or if it's going to a yoga class or it's, you know, going outside for a walk or just anything. Mm -hmm. and, and you also learn when you're experiencing the, you know, the fear of anxiety or the, the, the lows of depression. It's temporary. You know, if you can say to yourself, hey, I'm going to feel better in 24 hours. This too shall mm -hmm. pass. All of a yeah. sudden, the fear of it lasting forever dissipates. And you say, you know, I can tolerate this. This isn't so terrible. And another sort of cognitive reframe is, well, think back in your life when you've had difficult times. How would you manage that? Well, I did get through it, and it wasn't so bad. And I look back on that moment when my father died or I lost my driver's license or I got thrown out of school. Something really bad happened. You know, I got through it. We, one of the guests yesterday talked about when he was a young man how he got arrested for dealing drugs and he spent time in prison. And he looks back and he says, you know, it was difficult, but I managed it. And his mm -hmm. life is manageable now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you learn from those adverse of experiences you know we, mm -hmm. we talk about people being resilient mm -hmm. you know if it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger yeah and i think jeff jeff to, to, um, hit on one of our subjects in one of our past shows is that what what is happening now a year from now is not it's it's going to be meaningless mm -hmm. or it's going to be in the past and you're going to get through it what happened 10 years ago I, I can't even remember what happened 10 years ago and but i know there was anxiety and fear back then i'm sure many of us go through that and is that a normal thing too is like okay we'll get through it and this this too shall pass as we say in in, in the rooms you know one of the things i was listening to what you're saying before jeff and you know one of the things that i always talk about is benchmarking okay so what's so tell me, you know, what's the worst thing that you've ever dealt with? The loss of my father. Okay, where does this rate as compared to that? Oh, no, not, this is nothing as compared to that. So the person can see, you know, they've handled this. All right, so this is, I, I got this. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of them getting out of their own way, getting yeah. out of their own thinking. So, okay, I can handle that, so I can handle this. Yeah, it's so true. I, I, you know, I do a lot of work with the law enforcement community, and some of these guys are veterans and so on. And they'll talk about, uh, you know, how they were in combat and their friends died, you know, so all of a sudden everything, you know, becomes relative. So, uh, you know, there was a, uh, an interview with a gentleman who was in the Vietnamese, a Vietnamese POW camp. And he says, you know, any day that I'm in a room with a doorknob is a good day. All of a sudden <laughs> yeah. things have perspective. You know, yeah. you spend, he spent seven years in the Hanoi Hilton. So breaking down on the side of the road is no big deal. Yeah. You know, if you speak to a Holocaust survivor, yeah. They say, you know, as long as the Gestapo is not kicking in my door, I can probably manage most things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and one of the phrases that I use with people all the time, it's, it's, it's inconvenient, not tragic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. okay, I'm at the side of the road, although this is a pain in the neck right now and I have to call road service, I've changed my tire or whatever. This is inconvenient. This yeah. is not tragic. That's, that's true. true. I, I like to say that's a first world problem. <laughs> so, you know, we have food, we have, hot, you know, showers, we have shelter, et cetera. Everything becomes relative. <laughs> now, I, I know we touched on some of the tools, but... Um, what specific tools do you guys give 
to your, especially people in recovery, um, you know, uh, that they can take, you know, AA meetings, um, you know, medications we were talking about. But are there something, is, are there specific tools, Jeffs, that you say, okay, I, I think you need to try this, this, and this, and then if that doesn't work, we go to X, Y, Z. Um, I'm sure you guys got your go-to go tools to go, you know, kind of, kind of recommend for the person. I use thought stopping, which, which happens in a couple of ways. One is yelling stop, which you can do in lots of places, just not in public. <laughs> I, I say that to Ed frequently. Because <laughs> that's going to get pretty awkward. So for the people who are, you know, like in the supermarket and their, and their heart is racing, I teach them one of two things. You can use, visualize the big red stop sign mm -hmm. or you can visualize the railroad crossing, which gives you lights and ding and all that. So, so you can pick and choose which one you want because mm -hmm. you don't have to say it out loud. So thought stopping is really key. The other one that I think about, which is which is the word C-A-L-M, which see in New Jersey is calm, but maybe up by you there's actually an L in that word. <laughs> so it's, you know, think about the word calm and say it with the L, and, and a magic thing happens is that you start thinking about calm and you calm down. Mm -hmm. and, and because it gets involved with breathing and, and focus and imagery and just, you know, imagine you know, especially on a day like today, imagine a nice calm place, a place where you've been, a place where it's a beach, and imagine just the ocean coming in, and people say, oh, yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. and, they, and, you know, take two seconds to just do that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's well said. So it's interesting because I was going to say the same thing about thought stopping, and I always say to people, you know, be careful where you practice it. So you say the word stop. If you're saying it out loud, they think you're kind of crazy, but you could say it, you know, as we were discussing, subvocally inside your head. The other thing is I actually teach my breathing technique where you breathe in through the nose, one, two, three, four. You hold it, one, two, three, four. You exhale through the mouth, one, two, three, four. And you do that three times. It's a total of 36 seconds. And it's remarkable how there's an element of, of lift of the anxiety and the sort of unpleasant feeling. I also remind people if you do it too vigorously, you actually can get a little lightheaded to be careful. <laughs> and lastly, I, I just say... You should talk to someone named Jeff. <laughs> yeah. It works. <laughs> but it, it, sound, oh <laughs> it, it sounds like that basically what we're trying to do is stop your thought pattern in the middle of the craziness because it's in your head by adding this stop sign in or the breathing or, or just getting out of your own mind, I guess. Is, is that basically what, the, what it basically comes down to is stopping that thought pattern? Yeah, because once it once it revs up by itself, it, I mean, you're just going to have tons of anxiety. The earlier you get it, you know, like early detection for everything else, mm -hmm. the earlier you get it, the more manageable, the easier it is. I mean, an addiction, right? If, if you're if you're thinking about, about drinking and drugging and the more you think about it, the worse it's going to get, the more likely you are to do it. Mm -hmm. If you immediately pick up the phone and call someone or, you know, call your sponsor, text your sponsor or go to, go to a meeting, you have a much better chance of succeeding through that. Same thing with anxiety. Mm -hmm. The earlier you get it, the, the more you do something with it, once you start recognizing the signs and symptoms, the way easier it is to fix. Yeah. And we, we also know, well, well said, Jeff, and we also know that not isolating really helps people, just talking to anyone. And it doesn't mm -hmm. even have to be someone you know. So if you're online at the supermarket or CVS and you make small conversation with the people in front of you or behind you, you there, there's studies about how brain chemicals elevate. So that's serotonin levels. So goes up so people who get a little sort of emotional boost by taking a substance will also also have the same sort of positive you know connection by having social interactions with others 
and things like having a pet, a dog, has mm-hmm. been yes. found to be yeah. very therapeutic. Ed, Ed should be remarkably happy. <laughs> How many dogs do you have, Ed? I have five dogs right, at home. So, oh, he needs five. Believe I'm me. In, uh, I'm in good shape then because I love Kiwi, and I talk to everybody when I'm <laughs> in line. That's perfect. You're the happiest guy in the world. That's perfect. perfect. You, should, you should try to get a dog as well. So uh, and we also know that going out in nature, in the woods, walking a trail is remarkably powerful. Mm-hmm. So there was a Japanese study. It was actually a Newsweek magazine, a t- Time magazine last November 2017 that showed how people, it was a Japanese study, people who walked in the woods all of a sudden felt better. And they weren't entirely sure why that was. And they thought maybe there was some sort of natural chemical that was emitted from the trees in this forest that created like natural antidepressants that helped people. Then they did the same study where they had people just look at images of the woods and they still had an improvement of how they felt. So there's something about nature that really helps people. And then the imagery aspect of doing that, even in in my office, for example, just getting people to to go to that calm place and that peaceful place. I, I, I haven't hooked anybody up to a machine to find out what happens in their brain but I'd be willing to bet that they're pretty well close to, to, to what the study does. Because again, if, you are, if you're in the dentist's office, I say this all the time, you know, mindfulness is great for being right here, right now. Mm-hmm. But when I'm in the dentist's office, I don't want to be right here, right now, because I'm <laughs> in the chair. So I want to change my, my time orientation to be, what am I doing after the dentist's office? Mm-hmm. What am I going to be doing later? What, am I, what, have I done, what have I done that's more relaxing? What have I done that's more interesting, that's way more fun than sitting in the dentist's chair? Mm-hmm. And so the ability of the brain to change its time orientation is also another key. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, Ed, Ed and I are runners, and we've you know, run marathons various times, and <clears throat> there's a technique called time project forwarding where you, it's the same thing. You, know, you imagine yourself at the finish line. Mm-hmm. So oh, you're yeah. suffering on the hills of Wellesley at mile 13, yeah. the Boston Marathon. You, the, the sort of notion of being on Boylston Street is actually too far, but what you think about is, well, soon I'm going to be at Newton Wellesley Hospital, I'm going to be soon in single digits in terms of miles left. So you push it forward and you project in the future. So when someone's experiencing a bad event or unpleasant event, you also say, well, you know, six months from now, I'm going to look back on this and it's not going to be as bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the marathon's not forever. You know what I mean? Right, that's and, right. And, and like, you know, our situations, like we were saying earlier, is that, that that particular situation isn't forever. We're going to get through it. But when you're in it and your mind is racing and you can't stop it, it's it, it just seems like it's never, ever going to yeah. never going to stop. So th- these were some great tools here that we um, that we discussed as far as um, trying to trying to get some help. And, and this is this is not just for people in recovery. This is probably for the loved ones also that are racing. My son's going to die. My daughter's going to die. I can't find him or her. What if they're dead in the, you know, in, in the gutter? Um, I'm sure moms and dads and husbands and wives have these thoughts, too. Right. I would dare say that the family members have more anxiety yeah. because it's out of their control. Yeah. So, so all these techniques aren't just for the addict. They're also for, for anybody who, who may be going through whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they're That's going right. through. And, and so. As Jeff points out, you know, the, the family members have, have no control. So yeah. then you just sort of have to accept yeah. it's out of my control. And yeah. I can only do so much. I'm only responsible for my end of the ledger. I can only do certain things. And I always say, listen, bad news travels fast. Mm-hmm. So... And, and in my experience, it tends to be accurate. You know, yeah. not always, but tends to be accurate. So, you, uh, you know, interestingly enough, we're just talking about the marathon. So, when the bomb went off five years ago, in nine, uh, 2000 and fi- uh, 2013, 
the uh, I was running in with my son, and my son was in front of me, and I remember thinking, and the bomb goes off. I don't know where he is, and I'm thinking, oh, is he alive? Is he mm-hmm. hurt? What happened? And I remember saying to myself, you know what? I'm not going to project and imagine that he's dead or hurt, or injured, and so on, because I'll deal with that when I have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right now, let me s- stay focused and help some other people who yeah. are panicking and freaking out because we were all like 700 yards away from the explosion. And they were safe. They were worried about others. It's mm-hmm. The same you know, dynamic of a family member worried about their, you know, their loved one who has an addictive disorder. Yeah. Guys, we can go on to this topic forever. This is a, a topic that I, um, that I deal with a lot um, and a lot of us out there do. Um, Jeff, we, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, we'd love to have you back again. And totally. um, real quick, uh, give us your website www.changeispossible.org. Great. And um, Dr. Jeff Brandler, we, we'll, we'll definitely have him back on for other topics. Um, also, if you want to get a hold of us or have any questions for, for Dr. Jeff Brandler, uh, our 800 number is 800 989 6504. Um, our website is friends Email is help at friends Jeff, thank you very much. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jeff. Take care, everybody. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.